Hi there, this is Christian Horner. You've won the Austrian Grand Prix. <laughs> Hi, it's Alex Albon. Hi, I'm Max Verstappen, and you're listening to the Aston Martin Rebel Racing Podcast. Oh, this feels good. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Talking Ball and this is it. After an extended pause in the Formula One calendar, everything is now focused on the launch of the 2020 season this weekend at our home track in Austria. We thought it's the perfect time to really get into what the whole experience has been like for our drivers and their training. Coming up, we're going to check in with Alex's trainer, Patrick Harding. But first... Let's hear from the boys themselves. Alex is in his garden in Milton Keynes and Max is in his Monaco pad. Boys, it's been a strange year, but Formula One is finally back. Are you excited? Yeah, very. I mean, uh, we had a long break, so I think it's time to go racing again. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) That's the sound of an excited man. Two races back to back in Austria to get things started. Home races for Rebel, obviously, and not a bad place to get things started, especially after last season, Max. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very much looking forward to it. I think the the track, it doesn't have many corners, but it's still very cool to drive. And of course, it's our home track. So that makes it also very special. And you really want to, of course, have a good result there. And of course, to to have won the last two Grand Prix there is extra nice, let's say like that. So yeah, we'll try to just have a good weekend again. What are your memories of the last season? Because that was a spectacular race, wasn't it? Yeah, just uh, crazy. I would sum it up. (laughs) Just insane. Like, uh, I didn't expect to win at all, especially after that start. But we never gave up as a team. I think we made all the, the right calls and the car really came alive throughout that race. So yeah, it was like crazy also with so many fans around you know the i could really see during the race like the, they were standing up and that gives you like even a bigger smile on your face when you know everything is going well the car is running well so it was super warm as well i remember that so i hope we don't we don't have that this year obviously the race experience is going to be different this time around there's no fans in in the circuit how are you approaching that how, how's that going to feel yeah of course it's it's going to be different, but I think, of course, we know it's it's not allowed at the moment. So we just have to focus on um, what's happening on the track and just try to get the, the best performance out of it. Alex, you must be pleased to finally get your first full season as a Red Bull driver started. Yeah, it's been nice. Obviously, having this little extended break was good just to sit down with the team, go over... 2019 it was such a hectic year for me it was nice to to have that uh, downtime with the engineers just to kind of focus on certain things and start up it was a bit longer than we expected uh, I would have been happy to start in Melbourne but at least now we're getting into it uh, Alex you had the chance to to take the RB16 out how did it feel to you yeah good car was everything as expected first few laps felt a bit quick took a couple of laps for the eyes to get used to it again but Apart from that, no, it all went smoothly. Team and everyone's in good spirits. Car feels quick. It feels different, actually, a little bit, just from, from Barcelona. But otherwise, I mean, I hardly remember what Barcelona felt like. So, so it's kind of a, a new slate. Um, but yeah, all good. The mood in the team and the, the buzz in the factory was great. Yes, yes. Of course, it's a bit different, actually, just with the, um, obviously, with the face mask protection and the, all the COVID rules. It's a lot different, the dynamic, in terms of just there are groups now and everyone's very separated. But everyone seems to be pretty on top of it straight away. Max, this is a big season for you, right? Red Bull have got a pedigree in producing young world champions. Well, I mean, every every year is a, is a big season. We always want to do well. But, of course, I think we have said very early on, we, we want to beat Mercedes. We want to, of course fight them. Um, they're still very strong. Um, they will be very hard to beat, but I think as a team, you know, we, 
well, we learned a lot over the last years and I, I, I really think we are stronger. Um, now we just have to wait and see how strong we are, but everybody wants to win. I want to win. So let's see how it's, uh, it's going to turn out. When we talked to Christian back in February, it was, he didn't avoid the question when I asked him about your chances this season. He thinks the car's good. He thinks you're in good shape. Like He's backing you. Yeah, I, I feel good. I mean, um, even compared to Barcelona now, I feel be- even better. So I think that's a good thing. But yeah, what, what happened in the, in the world uh, and having such a long break, we have to just wait and see yeah, who's going to be uh, the fastest in, in that first weekend. Alex, you must be pretty keen to see how the, how the car rates alongside the other cars on the track. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, especially being Red Bull Ring. It's quite a unique circuit where there's not too many corners, but at the same time, it's been a good track for us. So excited to see where, where, we, where we stand. As Max said, we have, we've had such a long break. Already winter testing, you don't really know where everyone stands. So you add six months to that almost. It's, it's even more um, unpredictable. So we'll just have to wait till FP1 and see where we, where we are. We talked to um, Patrick, your trainer, um, that interview is coming up on the podcast in, in just a little bit. He was talking about the, the perspective of training. Max, what has yours been like over the last few months? Uh, better than ever because I have more free time and, and just uh, less uh, travels. You know, I, I could stay a lot at home. Um, so it's been good. I enjoy like working out at home. I don't go to a gym. Uh, normally, of course, yeah, you have like, I would say three weeks uninterrupted before the season starts. Then you already have to go to places so now to have like six full weeks of training I think has been really good and uh, I actually really enjoyed it so um, yeah it's been uh, been very nice What sort of stuff have you been doing? You were talking about um, buying yourself one of those ski ergs I think on the podcast a few weeks ago Oh I have that one already for a few years so yeah. I've just been using it uh, a bit more um, it's I hate some that use. Thing, but it's good it's good. <laughs> it's, it's good for you so you have to do it a lot um, and I got my watt bike, I got the weights, I got the pants. So, and then it's good to, to go for a run outside. I mean, it's it's over 30 degrees here. So you're sweating a lot on, on the run. So I think that's also a good prep. You know, when once you go back in the car, it always feels a bit warm. So yeah, I don't think there is much I could have done better. So I, I guess that's a, a good thing. One of the things that Patrick talked about was the difficulties of building up mentally to that first race of the season in Australia, that full pre-season and then having it cancelled so late. How was that for both of you, Max? Yeah, it was just very weird, of course, that it, what would happen. Um, but then you, know, you just have to accept that you go home and then you don't know what's going to happen. And of course, everything got delayed and delayed. I normally like to work towards a, a date in terms of workouts. So in the, initially, I would say the first two weeks I didn't work out. I was a lot on my simulator. But once, of course, I started to hear some things about possibly having the first race in, in Austria, you, you know that you, you start working towards the date. So that helped me a lot. And, and basically from then onwards, you know, you just get on with it and you, you do your program. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm not really too complicated. You know, I just want to be fit and, and ready to go. And then basically you head over to, to the weekend once it arrives. And Alex, how are you about uh, sort of building up mentally for this, this first race of the season? Yeah, I'd say the main thing is just not to overthink it too much. I think it's just, uh, it's just inevitability that we're going to start soon. There's not much we can do right now in terms of getting prepared. Obviously, I, at least being in the UK, I've been able to do my sim dates and... Um, it's just getting ready in general but all that will show hopefully in in the first fp1 session so you took part in quite a few of the virtual grand prix didn't you how did you find that it was okay (laughs) um it's good fun i mean it's nice to kind of mess around with with your mates and uh it was it was interesting because in the beginning everyone was taking it loose i guess is the word and uh each race came by and everyone starts to take it more and more seriously and then 
everyone starts to hide their lap times and everything like that. And then people spend a lot of hours on it, like a lot of hours. <laughs> it went from fun to competitive, which being racing drivers, I guess we should have all known that. You've been racing each other? No, I, I actually, I've never raced Max. I feel like Max would just destroy me, especially on the iRacing. So I'm not even going to ask him to race with him. I feel like it's the... I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't play the Formula One game. I I have been playing a lot on on iRacing, but lately also I uh, I took a break because you know I was busy with working out, and then you know in between the workouts you, you don't want to be sitting on the simulator. So I think the last uh, two three weeks it hasn't been on a lot. Um, I had my fun in the beginning of lockdown because there was not much else to do, of course. So I've been uh, driving a lot on on it. But after that, I think it's also good, you know, to take a bit of a a step away from it because you really get uh, carried away with it because I was initially very competitive and like really working on setups and driving a lot of hours in the day. So I wanted to also do other stuff than uh, just sitting on, on the simulator. Have you been sat in front of the TV? What have you been watching? Finish half of Netflix, I guess. And in, in, yeah. in the same time, I was like watching Netflix and, and sim racing. That was uh, <laughs> the things I was doing. And then of course, luckily, you know, the rules, they were getting a bit better here in Monaco as well. So you could go out again and then all point restaurants were opening. And yeah, basically once that was happening, then the sim was not on that much. Alex, what have you been doing aside from training and, and uh, sitting on the computer game? Netflix too. Uh, I've been Completed watching. It. Have you, did you see Tiger King, Max? No, I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> no. no. Pretty good. I'm not sure if I should watch it though. <laughs> it's weird, which makes it fun. But what else? Not much to be honest. I've just been uh, training a lot. Same as Max. Luckily, I have a, a big family. So I have four other siblings. So the, the house is rarely, rarely quiet. So we all tend to be doing something. As you can see, even like we have a fence half painted. That's the latest. Uh, that's the latest. Did you project. do it? I did a bit. I'm not going to claim full <laughs> responsibility. But I did, I did quite a lot of it. Yeah. Next time you call me, there'll be a green fence. This, this seems like a great excuse though, Alex. You know, you've got to go and drive in a Formula One race. You don't need to finish painting the fence. This might, you know, you might get off this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, guys, we can't wait to see you in action in Austria. Thanks for talking to us on Talking Ball. Cheers, guys. Thank you. See you. So it's great to hear how lockdown has affected the team from the driver's perspective. But on Talking Ball, we'd like to dig a little deeper and get a bit of insight from Alex's trainer, Patrick Harding. Patrick, let's just start by chatting about fitness in Formula One in general, because obviously for most people, driving is a pretty passive experience. Formula One and motorsport is very different, isn't it? What does a normal week look like with you and Alex? I think if you look at a lot of sports, what you've got is a single biomotor of physical performance that you need to be really, really good at, and that determines whether or not you're successful. So 100-meter sprinter needs to be really strong and powerful. You know, middle-distance runners need to be really good anaerobically. Marathon runners need to be really good aerobically. But with Formula One drivers, they're probably one of those sports, like boxing, whereby you need a quite broad spectrum of fitness. So you need elements of all of those. So you need quite a well-rounded athletic individual. When we do plan our training programs, it's very periodized in the same way that boxers would periodize their strength and power in the same way a lot of sports would periodize, especially in Olympic sports. If we talk about pre-coronavirus world, Alex came back from the end of last season in January. So he had a little holiday over Christmas and then you start to develop your aerobic base. And the week will look very much like the type of training you're trying to develop. So if you're trying to build aerobic base, then that week will have a lot of volume in it. 
the sessions that we will do will reflect what we're trying to achieve. And as you progress through that training program and we're trying to increase the intensities and increases exposure at different heart rates and working across anaerobic tempo threshold work into higher intensity work as it comes closer to competition time, those weeks will vary quite a lot. And we run both our athletic development in the sense of cardio alongside concurrently with our strength development. So our kind of traditional gym-based work will run concurrently. So on a typical training week in pre-season, he'll have anything between 8 and 12 training sessions, depending on media commitments, energy levels, fatigue, motivation, etc. All of those wonderful things that adds a, a certain dimension to training an individual athlete. Again, I like the flip-flop. So if we're really trying to get after some aerobic capacity, then the majority of the sessions in that week will be aerobic capacity based. Obviously, again, down to fatigue and recovery. If we're getting after some strength or we're trying to build a little bit of muscle mass like we would do early on in the season with Alex because he's quite a lean guy, so we want to put on a little bit of size, then a lot of that week of training will be based around hypertrophy work in the gym and trying to bring about muscle stimulus, muscle fatigue, stress factors to bring about that muscle damage that we need for those muscles to regrow and develop. So it really varies. So if you looked at a week in first week in January to the first week in March, that, that training will be completely different. He'll have gone through quite a journey. And actually at the start of March, the intensity is really high in his training, but the volume is really low. And you kind of have the opposite end of the spectrum in January where it's quite a lot of volume, but a lot of that work is done at lower intensities. And, and you progress through that 12-week period to the point where the week before that first race in Australia in March, very much like you would do in Olympic sports, we taper off that last week so that when we arrive in Melbourne, he's fit, he's fresh, he's ready to go, he has the energy. And when we get there, we do a couple of small sessions just to peak his heart rate again. But generally, he's in a, in a good position by the time we get to Melbourne. So then having got to that position in Melbourne for the Australian Grand Prix, Obviously, that race was cancelled. What do you then do? How do you then approach the, the last couple of months? Because we didn't know at the time whether the season would restart at all, let alone when it would restart. How do you keep Alex ticking along over the last few months? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really interesting question because there's a real emotional element to it. Because not only have had you the physical build-up to the second week in March, there's been a technical build-up with all of the stuff he's needed to do with the factory, with the engineers. There is the media build-up. The anticipation, Red Bull are releasing a lot of content about the start of the season, F1 are releasing a lot of content. So there's a real anticipation built up and you'll have done a lot of work with Alex around managing those expectations, managing that anticipation, managing the excitement. And then we were actually to the point where we were in Red Bull kit Friday morning getting ready to go to the track for FP1. We get a phone call, don't come to the track. And it's within 12 hours, we're on a flight back to the UK. You've had that 10-week build-up mentally and physically to just within 12 hours being on a plane back to London. And there's an element, although it might sound dramatic, but there's an element of the grieving process there in that you've had so much of that build-up, anticipation, excitement, adrenaline, and for it just to be taken away. You know, professional athletes aren't immune to the same emotions that we have. So the anxiety and stress that we all felt with the uncertainty of covid Alex feels that as well, probably more so. And especially with his first full season with the team as well. Completely. And and that in itself brings its own element to the whole scenario. The questions that any athlete will ask themselves, they answer themselves by performing. So it's, you know, how is the car going to feel this year? Will I be able to compete? 
etc etc all those questions that you ask yourself you answer by being in the car so to have that taken away it kind of extends that uncertainty a little bit so we had a good chat when we got back from australia we said let's just give it two weeks because fitness is not going to be an issue because the week before he's in the peak of his physical fitness for this year to start so we said let's just give it a couple of weeks i put some sessions on his on his training app i was like pick and choose do what you feel just based on your energy and your mood at that point, it looked like it was going to be an extended period. So we didn't need to chase anything. And what I wanted them to do is just get a little bit of space and just to process it. And we did that together and he did it with a sports psychologist. And we just worked through the emotional side of it first. I didn't feel like we could move on to refocusing on going back to training again if his mind and his emotions were still in Australia. And there was a transition period where it was a bit like, right, OK, we, we do need to get back training now. And he was still a bit dealing with the fact that that race hadn't happened and the season was being suspended. But I felt like giving him that little bit of space to process actually benefited in the long run. Because when we got back into training then, he was a lot more focused than he would have been. Then, you know, you, you talk about a week when we should have been traveling to Bahrain for the second race and to be saying, right, let's get on the bike again. Your head's just not there. So we just needed a little bit of time. So we did. And then we set out a plan and... It's a real challenge for a coach because you've already done a pre-season. And I think somebody like Alex and some of the boxers that I work with, they love training because they know what makes them better. But at the same time, they don't train just to train. They train to compete. So the, the pre-season is something they really buy into or a, or a training camp in boxing. But actually what they really want to do is race or fight because that's why they do it. So then the challenge is, well, how do I recreate some motivation and emotion to connect to the training that we're going to do now? Because we've just done a preseason of 11 weeks. So it was a challenge for me to try and make it a little bit more interesting. And I guess you've also got the challenge of not being in the same place as him, which, I mean, being a trainer is a, is a tactile experience and, and being next to someone's important, but also not having the kit. I mean, what sort of setup did Alex have at home? Yeah, and that's, a, that's another good question because I think all coaches and trainers would say they feel like they add value by being present and you want to believe that the athlete won't do the same level of work if you're not there. So I actually went through a bit of a journey myself and thinking, well, what does this mean for me if I can do this remotely and we get the same outcomes, if not yeah. better? <laughs> but I mean, it was a journey mentally for me as well. We managed to get quite a lot of kit at his house. So Red Bull were really good in washing down some of the kit at the factory, bringing it to his house. He's got a nice garden in his house in Milton Keynes, so we had enough space. He had a turbo trainer in the house, and at that time, the restrictions still meant you could go out for an hour's exercise. So even if we wanted to run or wanted him to bike outside, he could still do that for 60 minutes. So it actually didn't cause a huge amount of restriction to what we would have wanted to do. And again, it was a slightly different approach and slightly different scenario. So that brought a freshness to it. So we weren't going to the gym. We weren't getting out on the bike in Monaco. We weren't cycling the same paths that we would have cycled. So there was already a little bit of freshness just by, by the fact that we were in a different space doing slightly different training. And it coincided with some really good weather. So it, yeah. it felt like you could get out and get some quality training in. And he has four siblings, four younger siblings. So there's always a good energy around his house. So there's always a good atmosphere. And some of the early sessions, he was getting his sisters involved and getting his little brother involved. So 
even though the dynamic had shifted and the environment had shifted just by the fact that it was different, probably brought a little bit of a new energy to it. Did you find that changed over the over the course of the lockdown? Though I, mean, I, I found that exactly that my training at home, I, I turned my living room into a into a gym, and it was exciting for the first few weeks, and then that definitely tailed off, and I definitely noticed my my interest sort of waned after maybe sort of eight eight nine weeks. Did you find the same sort of thing with Alex? We varied it enough that at least the sessions were a different stimulus. And that point that you're describing probably came at the point where the restrictions here started to loosen up enough that I could get to Milton Keynes and start working with him. And that, again, brings a different energy to the session. And when I got with him, I was like, right, this is a really good opportunity to just get a really solid aerobic base in because we need to train outside. The weather is incredible. We've got some decent bikes up there. So we would just get out on the bike and do 90 minutes, two hours of biking around Milton Keynes. And actually, the area around Milton Keynes is beautiful. So we went up to Warburn. We did a lot of biking along the canal. And there were sessions that we did where we'd just pull out a phone and go, let's let's just have a cycle around these roads. And we found some really good routes on places that Alex had never been before, even though they were five, six, ten miles from his house. And again, you put some sunshine on, you could be anywhere. The countryside gave us the space to be able to get out and change the environment, change its headspace. So I think that transition of me being able to get to him came at a good time to to make it feel like it was a little bit fresher. And at that point as well, his gym-based stuff had started to get towards the max strength end of the spectrum. So he needed somebody there to help support him with the lifting side of things. So it actually coincided really nicely. And I would say we got a really solid 11, 12 week block in that we wouldn't have had before. So there's been a lot of positives about it as well, not just obviously the, the uncertainty and the frustration around not being able to race. He's taken his fitness level and his physical condition to another level that he's never been at before. It's really interesting what you're saying there about the mental side of that, though. I hadn't really considered it. How, how is how is that looking at the moment? I guess there's a huge amount of excitement within the team at the moment as we now get ready for the new start of the season. Good. He's getting there. The more contact he has with his engineers in the factory base, the more it starts to feel real. Therefore, the more he starts to switch into the racing side of it. And he was competing through the eSports virtual series as well, which gave him that sense of competition and especially with Charles and George competing and Lando as well there's that group of kind of young guns that are really friendly but also have a real competitive edge so even though it's esports it gave him a little taste of what that competition would feel like so he's good he's been building through it mentally anybody who knows Alex wouldn't blame me for saying he's somebody who likes the normal life who's doesn't need a lot of attention doesn't get a lot from being in front of a camera. So actually, the space that he's been able to get throughout this lockdown has been really good for him mentally. And the energy that that has saved him, he's been able to apply in other places. So the conditions that coronavirus has created has been really beneficial for him. So I would say, you know, from a mental point of view, he's had he probably had more space than he's ever had before since his profile within motorsport had started to rise. So it's given him the space to grow and develop that and it's about now carrying that same level of calm into the race environment. I mean, the race day is going to be a very different experience, isn't it? We've, we've already seen this with the, the football and uh, some other sports taking place around the world. It, it's obviously, it's sport, but it's it's different. And for the players and for the coaches and for the teams around uh, those sports that are already taking place, there's a whole another layer of, of things to think about and to take care of. Yeah. And I think what Alex is very good at is 
trusting the people around him to deal with the things that he doesn't need to think about. So when we talk about our preparation for race weekends, anything that brings anxiety is normally something that we can't control or something that there's an unknown element to it. And what we've done from the start is minimise the amount of controllables and maximise our control over them, putting procedures in place so that anything that we do is automatic. So our actual approach to a race weekend won't change in respect of his sleep patterns, his nutrition, how he prepares for a race, uh, a setting, uh, sorry, a race session. So the half an hour before a race session, we will do exactly as we have done for the last year and a half. So we'll try and maintain as much consistency and continuity from previous events. Obviously, there's going to be procedures in place around social distancing and the physical contact he can have with his team members and the amount of time he can spend in the garage and how the engineer's office will look like. But I think the majority of what he needs to get from his engineers, from a, an information and technical perspective, he'll still be able to get. He'll still be able to prepare, like I said, from a sleep, nutrition, physical preparation perspective in the same way he would have done for all of those other races. And then it's my job and the job of the people around them within Red Bull to any of the other noise to protect them from that and to put procedures around them in place. That means that he has to think about it as little as possible. Just thinking about the way that you normally train with Alex, I saw a video of you guys training a few years ago, I think, where you had some resistance bands attached to his head and you were stood about sort of 10 metres away from him and you were sort of almost like playing him like a like a puppet. Can you tell us a little about some, about some of the rather unique forms of training that maybe you have to do with a Formula 1 driver compared to a boxer or a footballer? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, my background's... I spent two years at Arsenal as a physio and then boxing has always been a passion of mine and now I work with Alex and two boxers. And let's just say the level of physical investment from a boxer and a Formula One driver is significantly higher than, than most professional footballers. <laughs> but yeah, like you mentioned, the, the next stuff is something that's really unique to motorsport. It's obviously important in boxing, but not to the same extent. So if you look at the neck of a, a motorsport driver, Formula One driver, the head and the helmet can be anything between 6.5, 7 kgs, depending on the size of the head. And Alex will admit his head is probably bigger than most people's physically. <laughs> so if you take a 5 or 6 G corner, that can be anything up to 40 kgs of G-force. And the thing with G-force is it's, it's multi-directional, so it's not just in one specific point in the head. So that's what we're really training for. And that would, 40 kg is probably quite close to being the max load. So if you take a corner like Eau Rouge at Spa, which is like a 4G corner, or if you even take that sequence through Magus and Beckett's at Silverstone, you know, you've got a 3G corner, a 5G corner, a 5G corner, and there are multiple changes in direction. Yeah. yeah. So through that sequence alone, in one sequence is probably about 100 to 120 kgs on the neck in multiple directions. But at any one specific point, the max is probably about 40 kgs. So the two things we do with his neck are, we try and build up his isometric and his concentric strength to the maximum that he'll have to tolerate. So we'll work up to 40 kgs. And it's it's really simple as really good solid harness, a chain, I've got a digital scales, I've got a handle. We'll get him in driving position and I'll build up to 40 kgs of pressure. Now, will build up maximum on his max strength profile up to about 10 seconds at 40 kgs, left and right, and then extension 45 kgs. Now, no corner will last 10 seconds, but you want to just give a little bit of a buffer room. What you can't really recreate is the frequency of those corners 
within a race because if you take Silverstone's 52-54 lap race, how can you in one session recreate that level? But what you have to remember is not all of the corners are max, and actually the majority of corners are between 0.5 and 3G, which is a real submaximal level. So if you work on his max rent, you get that up to what he has to tolerate at the highest level, and then we work on his submaximal and his fatigue profile, and that will be anything between 40 and 75% of those loads, but for longer durations, bigger frequency. So we use cable stacks, we use the chain and harness, but we also use, like you said, bungee cords because it's not always predictable. So we want to add in an element of perturbation to it. So getting into plank position, isolating his neck, getting bungee cords on, getting about 15, 20, 25 kgs of pressure and adding perturbation and changing the direction of that load will in some way try and recreate that multidirectional force that you get through G-force but also a little bit of the unpredictability that you will get by being in a car because not every corner is sitting perfectly in driver position, tilt the head into G-force, back to the centre. So you want to try and add a little bit of an element of unpredictability to it. So we'll use bungees a lot. Like I said, we use cable stack, we'll use chains, and we'll do a lot of body plank stuff with his neck. So box to box, head on resting on one box, and then his feet on the other. And that's for time, so body weight planks, which is wow. pretty impressive. If you, yeah. yeah, if you, I can just about do side flexion plank on my knee, knee to head on box, and he's full body, ankle to, to neck. I mean, some of those sort of calisthenics positions, the strength involved in that is ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's, it looks, sometimes it looks pretty easy, but you, if you try to do something like that, you will know very quickly how hard it is. Completely. And then you try and start to add some external loads. So again, if you're doing some ISO work or concentric work in seated, getting to hold a 10 kg disc or a 13 kg disc as if it was a wheel and start making turns with it, catching a med ball to the side. So anything that will change the force across his neck by altering his trunk position, which is kind of what you get in the car through some of those corners. So you can make it quite interesting. There is an element of repetition, there just has to be. But it's like any sport, as much as you try and condition his neck, the best conditioning comes from being in the car. I was going to say, I guess the driving itself then turns into a form of exercise as well, doesn't it? Tell us a little about um, uh, reaction speeds as well, because that's clearly really important for a, for a driver. How can you help him uh, keep those up at a high level? There's a few different things that we do. One is the reaction speed, but also the cognitive processing while you're reacting quickly. So it's okay to react quickly, but he has to react with precision. And there are two very, very different things. So we have, it's called the blaze pod system, which are a light system. Um, you'll see boxers use them, but they're tap on, tap off lights. Um, and you can vary the sessions quite significantly. So we'll work on speed to light. You can add in different colors, so you can use distracting colors so that he has to not only react quickly, but process that information while he reacts. We can add in uh, cognitive elements. So I have presentations on my laptop. So you set the blaze pods up around the laptop, different color slides, different color words, different color lights. He either has to match the word to the light or the color of the word to the light or the color of the screen to the light. So you're just trying to add in a cognitive element of distraction to it. We use tennis ball work. So unseen tennis balls, reacting to colors, catching with different hands based on the color, 
swapping the interpretation of the colours so that he has to process before he catches the ball. And we have these glasses, which are called synaptic glasses, and it looks like you're in the Matrix movie, but they, you can alter the flashing on and off of the lens. So we, when we process visual information, we process them as pictures, and what our mind does is creates a movie from those pictures. The more pictures your mind gets, the easier it is to process. So these glasses flash on and off, so they, like a strobe light, basically. So they take out elements of information for your eyes. And what you do is you start to learn to process information more efficiently by having less of it. So all of those tasks that we'll do will start to disrupt his vision so that his eyes and his brain will learn to process that visual information more efficiently and quicker based on less information. So all of those tasks that we, we talked about, we'll start adding the glasses in to add an element of difficulty to it. You can also black out one eye so he'll we'll work on one eye specifically and then we'll swap to the other side so you're working very much on the reaction speed the cognitive processing and his peripheral vision as well so the ceiling of that is, is around your own imagination there's times i'll come with him with an exercise and he'll be like what are we doing like this is nuts and it's just right well, let's just give it a go it's just something i came up with it might work it might not work if it works we leave it in if it doesn't work then we, we change it the best is when we're in a public gym and we get the glasses out and we get the pods out and you just get people looking at them going what the hell is this kid doing it, it makes it interesting for him as well as much as you can want to get the same level of work done you need to make it intuitive and also interesting for him to do it's like there's a famous phrase you know how do you make a meat the broccoli on its plate you know this work he needs to do but if it's repetitive and boring, then his intention and his application to it will reduce. So by changing it up and even just making it a little bit fun, gets him involved and gets him interacting with it a little bit better. We also, you know, we, we play badminton and we play squash and we play tennis. and Yeah, we, we do anything that is sport specific, but also brings about some of the same agility and reaction and hand-eye coordination skills that we think we might need in the car. Patrick, I could chat about this stuff all day. This has been fascinating. Thanks so much for your time. No worries. Glad to talk. So this is it. The 2020 season starts in Austria this weekend. Make sure you keep across all the team's social channels and, of course, RedBullRacing.com for all the latest. We leave you with an exclusive track from Red Bull Records that will be playing loud in the garage across the weekend. This is Daily Chiefers and Norman Perry with no flex. We'll be back soon with more action from the track, the paddock and the factory. Until then... Take care. I drive tight, no flares. You see that sun on me, I'm shining, yeah. I drip, I drip me down in VVS. You with those shades, you see I'm blinding, yeah. I try to tell you time and time again. Where would I be if I never left? They f with me, tell me that I'm blessed. Do this for me, not for no one else. Not for no one else, yeah. They been mad, not a little love. I should come through with a white girl and a yellow jump, cause I kill bills, huh? Cause I pop tags, I pill seals, I pop one and get real, real. Got all these hoes yeah. and they feels, yeah, yeah. I don't give one if you like me. Neglect, it really excites me. I drop a two, it ignites me. Say it to my face, yeah, I'm so lame. There's no respect if you type me. Girl, you roll a J, but can't make a play. Sorry, I can't make you wifey. Come get the wave, that's any day, but that's more for me than you might think. I gotta stand or something. I tried to tell them to chill, but still, they want a mob and a function. Man, they don't put up with nothing. They always did is the worst way. So now I ain't tripping if one of us run up, cause it wasn't love in the first place.
You know how it is, we the ones right now You know how it get when the sun go down You know how it is, we the ones right now yeah. I drive tight, no flares You see that sun on me, I'm shining, yeah I drip, I drip me down in VVS You with those shades, you see I'm blinding, yeah I try to tell you time and time again Where would I be if I never left? They f with me, tell me that I'm blessed. Do this for me, not for no one else. Not for no one else. Yeah. I can't be out here on no lane. 20s, 50s, 100s, that's the language. Acura, the Beamer, that's the lane switch. They mad that it makes sense and they can't change it. Yeah. Yeah, I had the ball, but you passed it. Truth be told, y'all never had it. City be full of so past tense. I'm about to move, cop everything new. I don't need none of the baggage. Damn, you know I'm a savage. I get in the stool, I get in my groove. Grinding like I never had. Y'all play the bat like a ad lib. They know it's love, I never front. Flip on the gang as if. We flipping world like gymnastics. They pray we sleep in the casket. They always did us the worst way. So now I ain't tripping if one of us run up, cause it wasn't love in the first place. You know how it is, we the ones right now. You know how it get when the sun go down. You know how it is, we the ones right now. I drive tight, no flares. You see that sun on me, I'm shining, yeah. I drip, I drip me down in VVS. You with those shades, you see I'm blinding, yeah. I try to tell you time and time again. Where would I be if I never left? They f with me, tell me that I'm blessed. Do this for me, not for no one else. Not for no one else. You know how it is, we the ones right now. You know how it get when the sun go down. You know how it is, we the ones right now. You know how it is, baby. Yeah. Don't flex it, just ain't enough. I need screen.